And he said, my grace, this was, and he, he said to me, so Jesus is talking to him, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast, this is Paul now, about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. See, if we appropriate or come to him in our strength, then there's no power operating within you because you have to come in weakness. And weakness is counter-opposite, counter-cultural to our humanity. But it's the way in. Then he says this, Therefore I am well content with weaknesses. See, he's found this place. And so he's receiving from the life of this place, which is so opposite to what's taught. There is incredible strength in Christ, isn't there? And Christ wants strong followers, but strong followers come in through being weak followers first. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults. You happy being insulted for the Lord? Amen. With distresses. Yeah. Here's one. With persecutions with difficulties for Christ's sake. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, insults, distresses, persecutions, with difficulties for whose sake? Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the work he's doing here, been doing here, bringing us to a place of absolute weakness, vulnerability, transparency, to then rebuild us back up. But if we appropriate it through our strength, there is no power operating within you. So there is no transformed life. Which means we've got to let go of us, which is our strength, and step into weakness and allow him to do a work for then true strength to come. And the strength is within. And Paul was constantly preaching this. I learn, I understand, and God says this, my grace is sufficient for this work to be done. See, I have graced you. I've covered you with my power, with my life, so you can find this place of weakness in me that you may have power coming forth from you to live the life I'm calling you to live. Through the flesh, the life he calls us to live is impossible. And it seems impossible, it appears impossible, and we say it is impossible. So we never get to experience it because we tell ourselves and we believe ourselves and not him. But as we enter through weakness and the power is then put into us, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more beyond we can ask, think, or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. Beautiful, eh? But the way in is weakness, not strength. Weakness to strength. For then I am weak, then I am strong. So just felt to share that with you. I hope it hits home and we'll continue on this journey as we allow him to be strong when we're weak. Come on, Mel. Let's come forward. Let's welcome Mel as she comes. Uh, I um, <clears throat> text Greg, I'm 
not even sure how long ago, but I was like, the clock's ticking, my notes are flooding me, and uh, yeah, the the Lord is not letting me get away with it. <laughs> um, and in the the past few weeks, the word has become so sharp. that it has penetrated my own heart, giving me no escape, no room to rationalize or contain it and take it in and box it somewhere. Um, And so I think this is what his word is maybe supposed to do. <laughs> and um, and I'm realizing, you know, the more, the further I go with him, the more I'm going to experience this. And like that scripture about um, being content with being weak or being content with insults, persecution. That's not my thing, right? <laughs> that. It's not anyone's thing, I guess, but I'm absolutely apprehended and arrested by what he's saying. That I can't even uh, answer straight away because I don't want to be a Peter. Uh, That is bravado. Um, And confesses something before he believes it. Um, so I am, I'm quite raw tonight, and I, I'm hypersensitive, if that's a word, and so please grace me um, tonight, and, and I can just only pray that you would hear him through my mumbling and fumbling. Um, and I feel very unorganized, and my notes are everywhere, but I'm just going to speak from what I'm in and what I'm experiencing and my own reality. And I've called this message the reality check because I'm in the midst of a reality check. And Christ is our reality check. And so tonight, Lord, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, I pray you will go before me and you will be amongst us tonight, even though I am and we are a stiff-necked people. Pardon our unbelief and our self-efforts, which is our iniquity and our sin, but take me and take us as your inheritance. And tonight, I hope to speak freely, and like I said, I'm in the midst of a reality check, which does mean I am raw, and um, it's what he's doing in me, most definitely, um, and what I am witnessing him do in us as a body. And I just want to share my heart and, and hope that you hear more than the words but what is confounding me? 
this is what I do. This is what I find myself in. I can naturally be a, wor- a warrior, worrying about things. But when, when he starts doing things like this with his word, I, be, I feel like I become a, a warrior in the spirit. And I feel like the convictions that I have already, or the things that I'm unsure of, becomes convictions of steel. And the strength of the Lord where we can bend a bow of bronze. And we can, he makes our hands for war that will tear down mindsets, high places, the things we think we see that are in opposition and resistance to the Lord and his reality. So the clearer it becomes of my own mindsets and my own reality and what I'm seeing around me, the war is on. The war is on. And it's Christ's reality versus our reality, the flesh. Spirit versus flesh. And when I'm in having a reality check, where he's come and he's spoken and it's penetrated, it's easy to get discouraged and think, you know, get offended. But actually the more the more he does this work in me where this is becoming conviction, the more I'm seeing the unseen reality become a physical reality before my eyes. I'm literally witnessing this word becoming my autobiography. No joke. No joke. And it's terrifying. Like, it's terrifying because the reality of Christ is becoming my reality and others around me. Yet it's encouraging because more than ever, I know he means what he says. And he, you know, is a God of integrity. And that I can trust him when he says something, he'll do it. Because the word became flesh. So what he says has a power to become. But let's not mistake endurance for hardness. And think peace is not fierce. Peace is a result of fierce loyalty to Christ. Even those two words alone, peace or or endurance, it is on a knife's edge where it could become hardness and we become numb and then we call it enduring, but it's not the same. Or we think peace is like, you know, whatever, go with the flow, but it's not. It's fierce as a sword, two-edged sword that cuts and separates for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double, double-edged sword, and it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The word divides and it simplifies, and it examines our hearts and gives us a reality check. And like I said, there is a war for this reality. Christ's reality is on offer. And it is between flesh and spirit. 
And we, as a community, and as I'm feeling, are on a knife's edge. And we can go either way. As the Lord said, the word I give you leads to life or death. You have a decision. And I feel like we're on the cutting edge where we need to make a decision whether we're going to believe or not, whether we're going to receive the word by believing it, that it would give, it would activate the power of the word to become a reality, or if we don't believe it, nothing's going to change. If we believe it's him, we will receive it, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. And there's something, this brings forth a revealing of something that pierces my heart. It says that if we don't understand, I feel that we don't quite understand the aftermath of the word. That what the word does to the spirit and what it does to the flesh, I don't, I don't think as a as a people, including myself, and I'm realizing this more and more, we don't actually understand the aftermath of the word becoming flesh. And when Jesus came and walked on the earth, the aftermath of what he was confronting, people either entered in by believing it was him and receiving him, or they struggled in their flesh, They became persecutors. They hated him. But it was the word. The word that became flesh for their sake, for our sake. Yet if the word himself holds the authority in our lives, we should be able to recognize it as him. And welcome the word whether it hurts or not. The more I look into the scriptures, it is impossible to deny that when Christ, the word, his reality showed up on the earth, caused those who believed him as the son of God to come to him and submit. To those who did not believe the word and who he said he was, rejected him and they rejected the word. His very life on earth was a reality check to his people. It revealed the, where the hearts of the people, where people's hearts were truly at, not with what was seen but unseen, as he presented an ultimate perfect life of love and obedience, a reality that's so much greater than the people of the time, what they were living in. It seems to me, again, that those who heard, they heard him, they believed him, and they received him. And for others, that was not the same. But those who did hear and receive him could lay their lives down. They could heal the sick. They could face persecution. They could live a life that was like Christ. You see, we need to approach the scriptures as an invitation to his life. To understand that all scripture is prophetic, right? All scripture is prophetic. It carries the full potential for words to become life, to become a reality, to manifest and become flesh. 
do we approach those words with that? Do we actually believe that those words can become life in my own in your own life? When we receive the word, will it be like a heart cry with Mary, who when she heard it that first time as a virgin, that she would have a son, when she received the word in such an open and naked way, letting it have its full work, she said, said, Lord, let, let be unto me according to thy word, regardless of the consequences, right? She she was a virgin, and she was impreg- impregnated by the Spirit. She believed this by the Word. The Word, that was it. She believed it, regardless of the consequences of what could happen to her, which could have been stoning, being stoned to death, right? Are we a people that will receive the Word and say, Lord, without even having time to think about it, have your way, let your Word come and perform regardless, regardless of the aftermath. If, if by the end of our lives looks nothing like the word, then I would say fundamentally we don't believe that the word became flesh because his word has to perform. Why? Because he is a God of integrity, he says what he does. He is, he is the Holy Spirit. He is the power. So when we receive him, it has to be received with power, conviction, and the Holy Spirit. It, if we're not receiving it in that way, we're not receiving him. Be, because we can't, we can't separate the Lord, the word, his words from the person. It's like, he comes and his nature is of power. His nature is, he brings deep conviction to us. Um, am I making sense? Okay. Okay. If we believe it is... It is him. We will receive the word by power, the Holy Spirit and the conviction. That, this is the other thing, it will endure as we take on the full consequences of what the word might bring. Do you hear what I'm saying? Mary receives that word. If it was not of him, the things she had to go through, think about Mary, right? The mother of Christ. Going way off my notes, but just bear with me. Jesus, 12 years old, goes to a temple. We know the story, right? Um, Mary and Joseph start traveling back, and next minute Jesus isn't around, right? They're journeying for like three days and they re- or something like that, and they realize Jesus didn't come with them. She goes back to find him, and she rebukes him. She's like, what are you doing? What, you have made me worried. And he's like, do you not know I am meant to be in my father's temple? If she did not receive that word about her son, she's not going to endure that. Or the fact that they're at a wedding and his disciples say, 
Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside. And Jesus goes, who are my brothers? Who, are, who is my mother? The ones that do the will of God. How do you think she, what, what do you think she was thinking? It would pierce the flesh, I reckon, if she was in the flesh. that It would gut you, right? Or the fact that Jesus is on the cross. And he looks to his disciple John, who is with Mary, his mother. And he says, take hold of your mother. Says, says to Mary, take hold of your son. The word divides. He says, you know, I come, um, come not to bring peace but a sword. Dividing mother-in-law from daughter. What is that? It's the will of God. So while he's displaying the will of God by laying his life down on the cross, Mary is sitting there and I think she had a moment and realized a reality check. My son is about the will of God, regardless of who I am for him, regardless of those around him. It is about and this is what we're hearing, the spiritual family. It shows the priority to Christ is that he does love his mom. He says to his disciples, take her as your own mother. And it says that he did. He took her as his own mother into his house. That's, you see, that's a reality we can't quite comprehend, right? But it's possible and it is the true church that will live in this way with this understanding that it will live for the will of God. It will lay its life down for people regardless of personal relationships. doesn't mean we don't care about personal relationships. It just means priority is priority, and that's the Lord's will. See, I reckon Jesus was Mary's reality check. All those times that she encountered him rebuking her or dismissing her, we can see Jesus as cruel, but it was a reality check for her. Mary, remember what I'm here for. Remember that first word you were given from the Lord. Remember, this is what I'm here for. I'm your son, but I'm more than your son. I'm the son of God. When we hear a sermon, I don't even want to use that word, sermon, are we sitting there going, yep, I approve that, or no, I dismiss that? Let's be honest, guys, because this is a reality check. The word of Christ is most definitely, absolutely, I am completely convinced, is being declared in this body. And it will change us. It has changed me. It is changing people around me. I'm witnessing this. But we have to believe it's him. We have to believe it's him. Because if we don't believe it's him, it says, though the unbelievers were blinded by the God of this age. The God of this world blinded those, blinded the unbelievers. And huh, don't, don't think that's lost people, guys. 
we can, we can profess to know Christ, to believe him, but if our life is demonstrating something different, it is, it is, not, it is not a reality. Those who did not believe could not see Christ for who he really was, and they stayed in their current reality. Not only did they maintain this reality, but by being in the very presence and, and witnessing the life of Jesus, they reacted to this reality. There was a power struggle. They were impatient. They hated. They persecuted. They were rebellious. Because of, Jesus, because of Christ's perfect love, he became a goad to men. Anyone heard this word goad before? Funny thing is, I've never heard it in my life. And then I'm sitting in this struggle, <laughs> and this word pops out. And then I'm sitting upstairs again today, knowing that time is ticking, and I, it's, guys, this is my own reality check that I'm speaking from, right? I'm, I'm realizing that I have to trust the Lord when I'm up here, okay? And I, I want to be organized. I want to be contained. I, I don't want to be messy, but it's too bad. It is. It, that's what he's saying to me. It's too bad. It's, it's not about me. And, and it's like I can say that, but it's not, right? Anyway, and I, I just said, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me. And I've been saying this a lot lately. When Greg was speaking two weeks ago, I just bowed my head and prayed, Lord, help me. Help us. Help us. Help us hear. Help us see. Because when we're here, we are given sight. We can see in the unseen. Anyway, back to this word goad. <laughs> a goad is a stick with a pointed sharp end that was used to steer a stubborn ox by prodding its flesh. <laughs> it is. It's also an ancient Greek proverb. It's and it, it says it's hard to kick against the goads. Solomon wrote in Proverbs, stern discipline awaits him who leads the path. When we choose to go our own way and do our own thing, we become like the rebellious ox who kicks against the goad. And the worst thing is the ox is so stubborn that when, when that goad pierces its flesh, it kicks against it. So what happens? That goad drives further and further into the flesh. Can we hear what the word of God can do to us if we're in the flesh? It will pierce us in the flesh and we will struggle and we will kick against it and we will manifest. And it's fine. But please don't deny it's not your flesh. Please. Because... Please. Now, before we start thinking, would Jesus do this to us? Remember, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart, an examination of the inner realm of the hearts. Right? It doesn't even... It doesn't even worry about this external thing. It goes straight for the heart, and it reveals exactly what it is, what is of him and what is not. He, in bodily form, the expression of God, came to earth and caused every person he encountered to have a reality check. 
every person he came across experienced a reality check. And some partook of it and some rejected it. And this is what's happening for us, guys. Every individual in this body is going to have a reality check. And it will be constant, okay? It will be constant because we are constantly hearing the word. And we constantly are, li- you know, are choosing to live in the spirit. Prophets in the Old Testament were like goads to the people. And some reacted by believing the word they came with and lived. Some who didn't believe were offended and reacted in violence and hate, ultimately leading to death. But the interesting thing is, even the prophets, the, the goads, now remember what I said about those, they are a stick with a sharp thing who have come to bring the word of the Lord. They were stoned. People didn't like what they had to say. The flesh warred against it, and they would kill the very thing that the Lord had sent to them to help them, right? And if we look at Moses, who were leading the people from Egypt into the promised land, this trip was supposedly supposed to take 11 and a half days. It landed 40 years. Moses was a goad. He was a pain in the bum, absolute pain in the bum to people. Because he, why? Because he was const, a constant reality check. He was talking about, about a land that was unseen, unseen to the physical eyes. And people, what happened? People complained. Unbelief, hardened hearts. They persecuted him. They moaned. They groaned. And two people entered in. Two. Two people. Therefore, Hebrews 4, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his his rest, let us fear if any of us seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Can you hear me? The same word was preached to them as it has been preached today. Take heed. But the word which they heard did not profit them. They did not believe it, which meant the word could not be activated to fulfill the very thing it said. Not not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Hmm. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he said, I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken in a certain place on the seventh day in this way, God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time, it has been said, it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, today, if you will hear his voice by what we are hearing, if you choose to believe it's him, Hear it. Do not harden your hearts. You see, people that believe that it is him and they receive it, they are in rest. They are in rest. Why? Because they actually trust the Lord to do what he says he'll do. And they can rest from their own works. They can rest from uh, 
trying to prove their own salvation. They rest completely in the Lord because he said on his word alone, by his own definition, he said, I will bring you into the land. You see, when we surrender our works and surrender to the word, it, is, it becomes active and in full effect work of, the God, of God, where the word becomes flesh. Today we have goads, okay? We have people in our lives, in this community, <laughs> who have been sent to us as a gift, that we have a tangible representation that will preach his word and demonstrate his life. They will be the ones that offend our flesh and make us struggle and squirm, where we react in complaining accusations. Why? Because the reality of Christ has confronted our reality. And this is the point of goads. This is what they do. And they can be goads because they've experienced the mercy of the Lord themselves. They were... They had to receive a goad from the Lord himself. Okay, so they have the authority to be a goad. <laughs> if you hear what I'm saying, right? Because a goad, is, it deals with a stubborn ox. Just saying, stubborn ox, you know? Like it's, the more stubborn we are, the, the further that piercing will go until we're dead. One Thessalonians. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which indeed at, is at work in you who believe. Sorry, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. You see, when we believe that it's God himself speaking through an earthly vessel, when we believe it, it allows the work to be done. Do we believe that his word can transform us into his likeness, Merely, just totally dependent on his word alone, not because of what we can do in transforming ourselves, but just because he said he would. Do we believe that? Do you believe that by his own power, he can form us into a people that shine the brightest, who will teach the nations who he is and how to live? A people that kings will travel with gifts, inquiring of our wisdom and to discern matters. Like, do we believe that? Because this is the true church. This is what he's doing. Do we believe he is making us into a people who will judge angels and rule nations? No, do we believe this? Because I can say this, but if it's not, if this isn't moving you or stirring you like, wow, I could judge angels one day purely because he said so. Like, 
This is a reality that is so much bigger than what we could ever imagine. Do we believe that we could be that city on the hill? Do we believe that we can live with conviction of steel and have hands that are made for war that we could bend a a bronze bow? Do we understand that through faith in Christ, we can access a reality that says we live according to an endless and indestructible life? Have you ever thought about what our lives could look like if we actually believed that? An indestructible life. How many risks we would take. How easy it would to just lay our lives down because we're dead. Like we're, we're dead, but we're living forever. See, so I can hear people going, yes. And I'm not condemning you guys because I'm saying this because it's my reality check. Do I believe this? with full conviction, because if I did, what would my life look like? Now, there's grace for my growth. But I'm aware of it, and I can acknowledge it. Because I trust him that he will do what he says he'll do in me. Christ, we can access a reality that we can be fearless and live freely in the true knowledge of a love that conquers all, a love that is highest, deepest, and widest, and that swallows us up whole. Do we believe we could live in hostile situations bringing love and truth? And let's not be quick to say yes, please, for the sake of our own salvation. Let's not be quick to say yes to what I'm saying, because there is a lack of love, even in this room, for our brothers and sisters. This is the reality, guys. It is absolutely a reality. But the reality check of Christ, of his life, who could love and lay his life down, who could say, my brothers and my sisters are the ones who do the will of God, who could take up the persecution. You see, that's what we're called to. That's If that's not our the height of glory that we become like Christ, and we think the height of glory is getting married and having children and being part of a community that we go to, if, if that's the height, there's something wrong. There is something wrong. And that's why I'm encouraged by what's going on here. That is why I'm excited, and I am, I am gunning for that. I am gunning for what is being declared because, because I don't want that life. I don't want that ordinary life. I want the cool, full conviction of the Lord. I want to see a body that is, it, and it says, the church will be the fullness of God. The fullness of God on the earth. That's a goal, right? Right? But we can't get there other than being transformed by his word by receiving it with full conviction and the power and of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing we can do. I brought this. I am studying psychology and communications at the moment, and it's so interesting. I'm just loving it because people think they're so clever. They think it's so clever. And I read the stuff, and I'm like, yeah, you're doing these experiments, and you, you think you've come to a conclusion, but that's already been said in here. 
I already know that nature. I know it. But there's a greater reality. There's a greater reality to what you're saying. And one of the experiments they did was they're saying, they said good people, good people put in evil situations, evil places, um, become evil, not because they're innately evil, but because of their social situation. Um, No, no. Jesus said, no one is good. Why do you call me good? No one is good. What they don't understand is we get put in pressure situations. We call it evil. We call it hostile. Call it what you want. The point is it's a reality check, and what is really in there will be demonstrated. So they did this experiment, and they had these students that were actually studying this psychology. What they did was they picked up 24 of these students the next day. They all previously had said they'll take um, part of this experiment. They sort of knew, well, they did know what it was about. But anyway, they all said yes. <laughs> Let your yes be your yes. That's another thing I want to get to. They go be part of this experiment. And what they did was on the day that they picked up these students, they assigned them roles. You're a prisoner and you're a god. They took them into a room they set up as a, um, as a prison, like a mock prison. They said within days, people, and they all were tested as um, mentally healthy and well, normal, normal, good people. And within days, the roles that they were put in, they became the one side, the ones that were put in position, naturally abused their power and became abusive to the prisoners. Those who were under authority um, became submissive. It said it got so bad that they had to pull one student out because he was having fits. He, the way he was being treated, he was depressed. He was having seizures. They had to pull him out. It said that every god that got put into that role became this oppressive, horrible person. And then they go, oh, it's the situation. No, it's not. No, it's not. But guys, this is the truth of our reality. This is the truth of our flesh, that, that we can be put in position and abuse the power. Okay? But what God is doing, what Jesus does is he comes and he says, I am of another reality where you can be put in a position where you're judging angels, but not because of who you are, but because of who you've become in me. It's, that's the reality, guys. That's what we're going for. Please stick around. Please, it'll be worth it. We're not, we are not measuring this body by any other community around us. We are measuring ourselves against the perfect person who is Christ. And of course we're going to fall short when we judge ourselves accordingly. But he is graceful, he is merciful, he is loving. And because of who he is and what he says, we can come into the promise and we can rest in that.
Guys, I've got pages and pages. The point I want to make tonight is that Jesus is our reality check. Let's not deny that the words are cancelled. Let's not deny that the word we're hearing is from the Lord himself. Let's open our hearts and our ears because it will allow him to do the work he is desperately dying to do in us. We're not playing games here. We are after the fullness of Christ. And he has sent, we have goads in our lives, these sticks with sharp edges that cause us to either react in the spirit where it's yes, you, you are demonstrating the potential of something that I can come into. I will submit and I will receive so I can become. Or the goad will pierce that flesh and we will struggle, kick against it, and it will only pierce more. And we can go to another community. We can think we can go somewhere. We're going to get some relief. But the Lord will do what he is planning to do to his people. For those who love him and trust him and actually believe him, you cannot avoid the goads. Um, okay, the prophetic book, which I was supposed to speak to, um, the one about the horses. Read the whole book. read the whole book but please don't read it as just words I like I said trust that it's from the Lord himself and what he wants to do in us and receive it with full conviction and the power and of the Holy Spirit because I I guys it has changed my life and it is changing my life it will change us it will change us and it will bring us into the reality of Christ let's just pray Lord I want to say tonight that I trust you Lord and I know you're doing a good work in us I can see it I can see the unseen Lord I can see your reality and even though I'm not in the fullness of it I'm okay with that but I want more, and I want to travel with people who want more. I want the real, authentic church. I want to be her. I want to be surrounded by her. Life is short. Help us. Help us to see, to hear, to receive, to believe. Help us, Lord. Lord, not to just say yes and amen, but to receive in the fullness of the word. May we confess later that it's a, it's a binding contract. When we speak out, it is a binding contract. I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for 
for people in my life. I thank you for the elders. I thank you for Greg, for Denny. I thank you for what these leaders are laying their lives down, the labor of love that I'm experiencing by what they, how they are laying their lives down for us as a body. Oh, Lord, I pray we see, we see and we appreciate and we, we pray for them and we thank you for them, Lord, that they are leaders who are after the fullness of you and they are gunning for it. And Lord, I just, I declare, Lord, that I know there, there are some of us who are absolutely behind, behind them and are gunning for the same thing. And I just thank you that the measure that you have put your, your, of yourself in them, that it, it calls us to greatness. It's a higher call, a heavenward call of high goals, a high reality, a higher ground. I thank you for the potential, Lord, that I see in them. Thank you, Lord. I, I bless you. I love you. And I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. I love the way Mel starts. Please have grace for me as I try and fumble my way through this crystal clear message. <laughs> you know, I think, um, and this is what happened to me as well, you know, like I asked God, why, why am I reading about things that I'm not hearing spoken? Why are you illuminating things in your word that are so big? And in my own journey of asking men that had gone before me, no one could answer. Do you know anything about the bride, the millennium? No, no. But it's in the word. Yeah. And you start realizing that probably in the last 30 or 40 years, the church have taken the word and shrunk it to something that we can understand in our head. And we have robbed ourselves from the very truth that Jesus came to bring us. And so we fight over a crumb under a table, thinking that that's it. And these truths that are contained in his word are now treated as just metaphorical or for somebody else or, look, I don't even know. And we've created a consumeristic business. You come and you get your needs met. And yet, that's never, ever, ever, ever who you and I are to be. And we are to understand, we are to know, come into, see, and live from another dimension, but now. And that's what you heard tonight. You heard a calling to a heavenly place, which is on earth. So it's receiving manna from here, but we live here. It doesn't eat what the world eats. It partakes from above. And that bread came from above and walked among men. And that same bread is present today. And we have to eat eating it if we want to come into the life. Otherwise, it will pass us by. And ultimately and eventually, 
and Danny and I are talking about this before, is that you can stay physically close, but spiritually might as well be on another planet. And a husband and a wife can be, one can be on planet Pluto and one can be on Mars, even though they live in the same house. But they're supposed to live on Pluto. So there is no oneness, which means there's no real oneness maybe going to happen in the family. And when all those people turn up to a community like this, there ain't no oneness. Because everyone's on those individual planets. And yet we're called to love people and have a love for people that we don't even know physically. Because it's not based on physical relationships. It's based on the relationship with the Messiah. And because we are all one with the Messiah and growing and maturing in that, which is what I asked us this morning, I said, do you want to be a mature son who's able to eat meat? Because Hebrews 5.11 says, I can't share with you Christ. There are many more things that I want to share, but I can't. Because we're still eating milk or drinking milk. And you have not become accustomed to the word of righteousness, which is to live a right life in front of me. Being able to live like me, walking in the manner that I walked, because he was human when he was here. Anointed by the power of God, the word of God, which means we're able to as well. Do you believe that? And then it says, may we press on towards maturity. And that's the challenge. Because like my children right now, we're trying to encourage them to grow. We have a 10-year-old, and it's time to grow up. It's time to take on responsibility. It's time to actually mature. It's time to clean up after yourself. It's time to make your bed. It's time to wash your face now. Mum and Dad aren't doing these things for you. It's time that you learn to do them. Well, that's just a physical foreshadowing of us in the spirit. It's pretty scary if mum and dad are still looking after their children at 25. Something's horribly wrong, and yet that exists. My mum does me washing. She cooks me dinners. It's awesome. Who want to leave that? Anyone? I just turn up. I eat, I sleep, she cleans up after me. I eat and I sleep, she cleans up after me. I'm 50 and I'm still living like it. My mum's still looking after me. That's called really bad parenting and that's called not maturing and growing up. Well, it's the same in the spirit. Hence why we want to do these family dynamics things to bring elements and to help us all. So Mel, once again... The clarity is so crystal, and I pray you can hear, and I would pray that you would listen and meditate and meditate and meditate and ask him to reveal. Um, as Mel was speaking, I was thinking about questions, but there was, it was so profound that I don't want to even put my questions. What I would love us to do is each person share what you heard. So at your groups, just say, this is what I got. 
and let it come from there. So let the questions or let the dialogue just come out of what you heard. You may have have a question. Let that question start the ball rolling. Um, there's so many nuggets. So let the spirit speak to you and then say it was this nugget. It was that nugget. It was that challenge. It was this thought. Is that cool? So let's do that for the next half an hour. It'll take us to about quarter two. Awesome.